see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Unpacked with PMMI. I'm your host, Sean Riley. Any regular subscriber to our little program has heard from a variety of PMMI members in the past year as they shared first-person perspective on how packaging and processing manufacturers were evolving through this once-in-a-lifetime event. In a similar vein, PMMI's Industry Relations Committee asked its Field Service Managers Share Group to develop best practices regarding documents and requirements for field service personnel during the pandemic. Peter Seward from Harpac Alma is a member of the group, and he joined the podcast to discuss the methodology behind the resulting white paper, Field Service Personnel and Customer Tools to Support Safe Practices During the COVID Pandemic. That's a mouthful. After you hear from Peter and I, head over to PMMI.org and download the white paper to share with your field service personnel before their next service call. So today we're really happy to welcome Pete to the podcast. Welcome, Pete. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite. It's our pleasure, believe me. Um, if, if you could just, for our listeners, kind of give us a little background on yourself and an overview of, you know, kind of what you do, um, how you got involved with PMMI, just, you know, some of the basics. Sure. Uh, so I'm the Vice President of Engineering and Technical Service at Harpac Olma. I'm responsible for technical service, project management, innovation, engineering, and technical training. I previously worked for 22 years at Ocean Spray Cranberries in a variety of roles in manufacturing, R&D, engineering, project management and product commercialization. So uh, Harpac Olma is the North American arm of Olma, which is a 65-year-old multi-billion dollar company headquartered in Manati, Spain. Um, We work in various market segments, very, very heavy in food, uh, medical and industrial. And we have really a, you know, uh, I say this with confidence, and we talk about uh, prototypes to palletization um, because we sell so many different types of equipment. So uh, we do thermal forming, tray sealing, tray forming, flow stretch and vertical wrapping, uh, complete automation and end to end from concept to palletization. So um, we have a really great variety. And I was, you know, as I mentioned, I worked for Ocean Spray for 22 years. So I was the customer on the other side for the majority of my career. I'm still pretty new uh, into this side of the business. So I had started out in packaging R&D, and one of my earliest trips uh, brought me to Pack Expo in Chicago, and that was my first introduction to PMMI. And um, many years later, I made a career change and moved over to the machine builder side, and um, Harpac Olma has been very involved with PMMI 
for many years. Uh, and I was asked whether I'd be interested to work on the industry relations technical service team. And, and I jumped at the opportunity to network and share best practice. I, I previously had a role in continuous improvement. And so much of it was about sharing best practices. And uh, I really value it. So I was, I was glad to be asked and hopefully I've been able to contribute. Oh, I would imagine you would because you, you have such a key backgrounds that, that, you know, PMMI and their members are looking for. Like you said, you spend so much time on the other side, which is, you know, the information that they're always looking for. Plus, you have this technical background. It kind of lines up perfectly with, you know, quote unquote, the industry relations committee. So I guess, could you kind of tell us about your role in the field service managers share group for PMMI's industry relations committee? Yeah. So my role, just like the rest of the share group, was to be an active contributor and to spread knowledge and best practices that help strengthen our entire industry. So um, our collective work is critical to global supply chains and anything we can share that isn't proprietary, of course, we will Um, you know, the industry is sp- still small enough where there might be projects that you're working directly with your competitors on. It's just, you know, w- with all the variety that we have out there for equipment that uh, Harpac Olma offers, uh, sometimes it's all of our equipment and then other times it's our equipment and maybe some of our competitors' equipment because, uh, you know, customer made a different decision. So, um, you know, we're committed to the industry and we're committed to our profession. So uh, we're happy, you know, happy to share anything that isn't proprietary. And at the end of the day, it's all about uh, helping our customers succeed. Yeah. Right. So if, if we can if we can make our customers more successful, uh, we're happy to do it. We're happy to be. Able to. Very interesting. That's a great attitude to have. Now, I know um, a little bit about this, but I'm sure you can fill in the the gaps for me, but I know that there was, you know, as this, you know, the pandemic kind of unfolded, um, there was sort of a need to kind of figure out how we're going to deal with, you know, field service. People can't travel, um, stay in hotels, things like that. People aren't letting people in their plants at different stages of this. So I guess uh, from what I understand, people kind of came together in this group, but I guess you can expand on that to sort of create some sort of document to work off of. So could you kind of uh, speak to that? Sure. No, I think you're summing up great. I mean, uh, you know, all of a sudden there was a pandemic, right? It was, it was rolling across. I mean, a lot of uh, our PMMI uh, members, right, were, were tied on an international level. Um, and we could, you know, literally could see our colleagues. It was, you know, weeks or months maybe ahead of before it hit the United States. But the pandemic, it was, it was moving. It was moving very quickly. And so all of a sudden, challenges that we were experiencing as a complete industry never really been experienced before. I mean, you know, travel restrictions and whatnot. Sure, there might be an occasional blizzard or bad weather event uh, that might divert you or keep you from getting to a customer site, but never anything that would be such a long term the way it was heading. And then I think we all have to admit too, there was still very little data and very little information. And there was certainly, you know, to be honest, I mean, there was a lot of media hype too. And so you're trying to, you're trying to sort out what's real and what isn't, well, what should we be afraid of? What might be overblown? Nobody really knew. Nobody really had those answers. So um, and, and, you know, and, and I think we were all learning and, and data and new information, you know, was coming at us uh, fast and fast and furious. So um, I think collectively we decided, hey, it would be good to get together as a group uh, because, um, you know, sing- these singular challenges were likely challenges that every uh, machine builder, or, you know, PM- active PMI member uh, were dealing with. So we'd get together and talk through uh, some of the challenges we were seeing. I mean, the first few meetings, um, 
you know, we weren't able to problem solve. We actually didn't even have enough information at that point to problem solve. So we get together and, and you know, shared what were the challenges that we were seeing. And obviously, again, you hit on it before. All of a sudden, you know, we had people, there were travel restrictions um, and, you know, there was different rules, uh, state to state, or, you know, it might be a tri-state uh, rule where all of a sudden you couldn't have people going in and out of New York or New Jersey, or, um, you know, we had people that uh, when they were traveling, uh, you know, they really, they needed to have appropriate paperwork on them. So if they had been stopped, I think we're all happy that it's well in our rearview mirror, but there were a few weeks there that, you know, the country was really trying to limit movement anywhere we possibly could to try to do what we could to try to control the pandemic. So it was obviously um, a very, very uh, challenging time. So we pulled together and we, we talked through these challenges, not being able to travel, not being able to get into plants either by their decision or by a government decision. Certainly for uh, companies like Harpac Olma, who travel into Canada or our Canadian colleagues who come into the United States frequently. There are a lot of machine builders up there. Uh, all of a sudden we, we were completely restricted, not able to go back and forth. I mean, even if you had um, technicians in certain provinces, they couldn't, they couldn't travel in between provinces. And uh, um, in some places it was very, very restricted. So we came together and we talked, laid out the challenges. Then we got into more of, uh, in future meetings, uh, we were sharing some of what our solutions might be or how we were uh, navigating things. And, and, and that included, uh, I'll give you an example. One of, the, one of the other members might say, how do you decide whether or not it's safe for your technician to travel into, into another location? Well, at one point we're using the John Hopkins website. And then another point I sh- ended up uh, sharing out that, uh, you know, we were using a, a website that we still use actually every day, covidactnow.org. And you can get down into the county level uh, to see infection rate and whatnot. It gives, you know, it was how we set our benchmarks of where it was, wh- whether it would be uh, deemed safe or not to travel. So mm-hmm. um, there would be, you know, various situations like that, including what type of paperwork, what are good letters for engineers and technicians to be traveling with. So, you know, if they are stopped and questioned by authorities, they have the right paperwork uh, to uh, hopefully get them to where they need to be to most likely help a customer uh, get back up and running. And certainly I think we all saw that you know, the food supply chain. So if you worked in the food supply chain, it was quickly stressed, right? We couldn't, we couldn't get enough retail product out um, on almost any line in, in the United States and Canada and around the world for that matter. And so we had to do everything we can to try to help, you know, the food supply chain, medical supply chain, keep up and running. Okay. So obviously, again, you guys had to come up with something from scratch because it's unprecedented. I feel like that word's been beaten to death, but I, it was. What did you, I guess, experience or what came out of that, that that helped, you know, you guys came together and you came up with one plan that worked or did you have, you know, plans along the way that you might've had to evolve and adapt um, as you guys worked through this? Like how, how as a committee and as a, as a work group, did you come up with a, not a solution, but you know, a, a, a something that you guys can work off of? Yeah. So what I would say is that um, we, you know, we spoke at length about um, uh, a number of different areas. So what I would say is that we focused in segment by segment. So first you take a look at COVID-19 travel and address all the different solutions that, you know, each company had. Like if I had, um, you know, if I had technicians who were traveling over to Canada, trying to get to a customer site and at the border, they're actually being turned around. And um, I was trying to understand, you know, we were according to 
you know, Canadian law, we certainly were uh, legally allowed to be traveling into Canada to try to take care of a customer. So, you know, we found is that we basically a letter uh, for our technician or engineer Mm -hmm. had to restate Canadian law as it's published. That was a small, discreet little change. And that there um, was a game changer. I mean, we had had not been restricted coming and going. And uh, um, we didn't have as many issues. The Canadian machine builders uh, said they weren't having as many issues coming into the United States. But we, you know, we shared out an example like that of, of, you know, a travel issue going across borders. We also shared uh, websites that we were utilizing to determine whether or not it was safe for a technician or engineer to travel into. You know, those were published. Then we also talked about some other things around what are the technologies uh, that we're utilizing as all of a sudden we're shifting to a greater focus on phone support, a greater focus on, you know, remote support. What are the technologies that all you know all of us are trying to leverage to do a better job? You know when we're when we have restricted travel and we can't get people into technicians. So uh, there's a number of products out there um, that were being utilized, including you know FaceTime on the iPhone. Uh, but a number of us are using great augmented reality tools like PTC Vuforia Chalk. Um, and so you know we would talk through. I had, had actually um, when I'm participating, it's you know one of the apps that are that's on my phone and I would be walking through, um, you know, just educate my uh, uh, colleagues on it, all the different things that Euphoria Chalk can do for you that, that maybe FaceTime can't. And uh, uh, so we'd share examples like that. And then uh, for anybody who's in the machine builder world, you likely um, have to uh, complete factory acceptance tests, FATs from time to time. And so we also shared information on, you know, without being able to travel to Europe, without having customers being able to come come to your office, your location, where you would normally complete an FAT, uh, what could we do to try to make it great for our customers and what we were doing uh, for virtual FATs? So we shared out those experiences as well. So what I would say, as we were all coming, you know, dealing with new roadblocks and obstacles every day, we were be like, all right, what do people have lists of challenges and everybody else on the call, any, any secrets out there of how you're navigating it? So it was, um, you know, a very collaborative type activity, uh, trying to share information with each other so, you know, we could navigate it and get get through it together. Very interesting. So I guess on the opposite end, how are you being received in the actual plants during this like were there were there things where you guys would align these best practices and then go to a plant and find out that they wouldn't necessarily line up with that particular customer yeah yeah they might not allow yeah no certainly i mean uh you know every customer uh, and we we found this i mean their uh, their rules um uh and, and just even what they adopted you know what they adopted within their own companies and for that matter their own sites varied significantly i mean you know, we had customers, uh, we had some customers where, where our employees had to quarantine at a hotel uh, two weeks before they came into their plant. Uh, we had other customers out there that uh, they would be fine if they originated out of our offices, uh, but they, you know, did not want them coming from, an, from another customer site. And we have some larger customers out there uh, that we very well in a given week, our engineer or technician could be at multiple 
locations of their company. They don't want the same person who might be servicing, you know, their plant in one city actually going to their other their other plant in another city. You know, they're doing everything they can to limit outside exposure. So the rules vary and it is a challenge. And, you know, that's that's why you know, communication is very, very important. I, I think all of us respect most companies are just trying to do everything they can to uh, protect their people, right? Protect their employees right. and their most important assets. So, you know, some of them have have greater guards up than others, but you can't fault them for doing that. No, and there, there clearly wasn't guidelines provided for this, which this is one of the things you guys came up with is kind of a guideline to sort of help through some of these things, but there's no guidelines on how to deal with something of this magnitude. So I guess, could you just kind of give us some of the, what's in this, you know, field service best practices and how, you know, a uh, company A or, com- you know, company B, how their company's personnel could kind of use it in their day-to-day operations? Sure. I, I think what we've created is obviously um, most beneficial for the people who provide field services, right? Or machine builders and provide field services. But in the document, you know, we cover uh, remote support, technical support, uh, travel, all the various challenges associated with travel. We cover uh, factory acceptance tests and then also uh, PPE and, and um, all the different uh, PPE that might be required. And, um, you know, at the time, I actually think when we published the document, uh, getting PPE in your hands was actually a major challenge. Um, yeah, so th- those are, you know, most of the areas uh, that we covered uh, with the best practices. Those are the ones that we focused in on. You know, we had um, templates that, uh, uh, co- you know, that the various companies could work off of uh, to create their own. Fantastic. I mean, yeah, there's going to be different companies in our membership that maybe haven't gone out for a lot of field service calls and are now just, you know, circling back to them if people were able to put them on hold and kind of stretch them out as long as possible. And now they're they're realizing, hey, we need some ideas on on how to do this to to best serve our customers. Yeah. You know, I, I would bet that, um, you know, remote support, phone support, um, as we do post review at some point, when hopefully the pandemic is very, very far in our rearview mirror, uh, we'll see that the industry really uh, shifted gears uh, on remote support and phone support and kind of practices that we, we leveraged every muscle we could to take care of customers. And so I have a feeling that things will change quite a bit on that side, how companies uh, go about uh, managing uh, remote support and uh, leveraging tools and technology to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that we've we've touched on a bunch with these podcasts is how thankfully um, remote monitoring and remote predictive maintenance and things like that have all become um, way more accepted than they were um, a year ago or, you know, 18 months ago. Right, right. Yeah. Um, well, th- this was fantastic, Pete. Well, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on here and, and, and help us understand this better. And this is certainly... Um, a way for our members to know that this this exists and this is something that you know members out there should should take advantage of as uh, like you said kind of a, a template to to help them get through this evolving field service situation so i just want to thank you again for coming on with us oh thanks for having me please rate review and subscribe to do that go to the itunes podcast or spotify app on your phone and search for unpacked with dmmi